I haven't spoken in a while, and to uh, prepare for a message, it takes time, and I'm just trying to think back on all the things that and you know, I need to do and prepare. But one of the things that happened was um, we were, my sister, my daughter and I were attending uh, a funeral, a memorial service in San Diego uh, about a month ago, and uh, uh, we were the only ones, and it was for my brother-in-law's father. And uh, he lived, uh, I think it was 90, 90 plus years. And as some of you have gone to funerals, uh, the funerals sometimes come, uh, come about in different ways, in the sense that uh, you'll have some people who um, are sad, of course, and there was sadness here because obviously the people were um, sad to see him go after all these years that they've lived with him. Uh, and especially for my bro brother-in-law, he was very close to his father. And so, uh, and, and because he was close to his father, so were the children and my, my sister. And uh, so they, they, there was sadness there but at the same time, um, this is where funerals differ from Christian and from non-Christian. There was a sense of happiness and hope uh, coming out of that service than there was, that you might see in another, uh, in a non-Christian funeral. There's one time I was uh, going to a, uh, I think it was a wake, and uh, so um, as I approached that uh, uh, the room that the, the wake was going to be held, there was other rooms uh, holding wakes as well. And I saw this family, and they were all dressed in black, and they were all crying. They were all sad. Well, then uh, when we went into the next room where it was, uh, it was a different uh, service that we were attending, and, I mean, everybody in there was happy. You know, you wouldn't expect that in a, a funeral home, but it was because it was a Christian who passed away, but everybody was happy to see each other. They were sad to see the person go, but this, at the same time, they were uh, happy that they knew where he was going. And this morning, I want, uh, the, this passage came out of the service that we were attending, and it was from John 14, 1 through 7. And uh, the first six words in this passage, it says, let not your hearts be troubled. This was words that Jesus said to the disciples. And the question was, why were they troubled? Well, right before that, Jesus had told them that he was leaving. Not only was he leaving, he was telling them, um, some of you, as much as you might think you are uh, loyal to me, are going to deny even knowing me. Now, when you think about that, uh, you think about, well, you know, it's obvious we are in troubled times. And uh, let's see, okay. You know, I didn't have enough room on the slide to put every picture of all the crises and tr problems we have, but there was just a handful. And, you know, we're facing a lot of problems today and maybe seemingly more than we used to in the past. I don't know. It, 
there's been problems before. You, we've all lived long enough to know that there's been issues. Obviously, this pandemic has been the most unusual for most of us. Um, and, and so how we're dealing with these issues um, really comes down, I think, to oversimplify it is how we view the world in itself. How we view the world will determine how we deal with all the troubles and the issues that we face in the world today. And I, I believe that if we understand what a Christian's worldview ought to be as opposed to what, the, uh, what we see, because when you think about it, if you watch the news, there's, uh, you, you probably go, well, and you hear what they're talking about. Well, I think he's right. Um, I think she's right. I think he's wrong. I think she's wrong. Um, but then, but they're wrong in this and they're right in it. I mean, sometimes there's conf conflict even in us on whether who to believe and who to uh, recognize and who to side with. And, and so a lot of that has to do with how each of those people view the world. And, um, and I know I'm simplifying, oversimplifying it, but if we can look at how the Christian is supposed to look at the world, maybe it will help us deal with what we're supposed to do here uh, as we deal with some of the issues we face ourselves. Um, and, you know, a lot of churches are going through things similar to you, and that is trying to reopen, how to deal with the, the issues still, and not only to reopen, but where do you go from here? And I think sometimes we have to remember what's our final destination. What's the reason we as Christians exist? And uh, if we can get that focus back, because, you know, when, you, when we see this conflict going on, it's easy to say, well, they sound right and they sound right, or they sound wrong, they sound wrong. Um, but based on what? Well, it's based on some things that we might believe in. But as a Christian, I'm not saying that we all Christians will all agree in the, in, in the way we look at things and that we should stop doing certain things just because of it. But it helps shape the direction we should go as Christians, as individuals, and as, as a church. And so as we look at this passage, Jesus, I think, he hears the disciples. He knows they're troubled. And so he says, you know, I know you're troubled, but here's my solution. And let's read this passage. I'll, I'll read it for you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, uh, that where I am you may be also. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, when you look at this passage, I think we recognize these passages in some sense two different ways. 
we know the passage from, that talks about the mansion. And we also know the passage that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But when I looked at this passage, I, I wanted us to look at them together for a change and see how it, Jesus was leading to the next part. And so as we look at it, so, so as I mentioned, Peter was being pointed out by Jesus amongst the disciples. He was already told then that Peter would deny him three times. And so at least for Peter, he's troubled by this, right? I was like, I've been with you, Jesus, for three years. How can you say I'm not gonna, I'm gonna deny knowing you? You know what, that's, you know, think about that feeling that Peter must have been going through. It, it would be just like if my, uh, uh, my brother-in-law's name is Curtis, and his father, uh, his name is Tim. And if Tim, like in his uh, last few days as Curtis was spending time with him, if Tim said to Curtis, you know, I know you love me, and I know you'll even miss me, but I think you have to acknowledge, or I, I, I know you're going to deny even knowing me. Can you imagine that feeling that Curtis would have felt for as close as he feels towards his uh, father? And Jesus said that to Peter. And, and so Peter, uh, in some of his most you know, flamboyant way, he said, no, I wouldn't do that. And sure enough, what happened a few days later, he would. Actually, a few hours later. So what was Jesus' um, response? What was his solution to the troubleness that they were feeling? He, says, believe, he said in verse 1, uh, believe in God, believe also in me. Well, that's simple. That's why we're here as Christians in the church, right? You believe in God, believe in Jesus. But I think what was interesting is what Jesus says right after that. Because when he said that, what would you think uh, Jesus was trying to say? If you believe in me, what are the things that you believe about me? Now, I would have thought, well, you would think uh, we believe that God is all-powerful, right? Uh, nothing is stronger than he. Uh, he's, the word is omniscient, all-knowing. He knows everything, and no one can top him, right? You would think that's what Jesus meant when he says, believe in me. Or um, he's all loving, okay? And, and it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense, right? This is the things that Jesus was talking about. But what does he talk about? In my Father's house are many rooms. This is right after he says, believe in me. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that, I, uh, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. So Jesus was saying to, to them, okay, you're, you're a little troubled because I said I was leaving. You're a little troubled because I said you're going to even deny who I am, but believe in me, because what I'm going to do when I leave is prepare a place for you to go to in the future, but not only that, I'm going to come back and take you there. 
Okay, now that sounds pretty cool, but somebody in the group of the disciples didn't quite get it, but I, I'm not surprised he would too. Um, now, one of the things that happened in San Diego, you know, the whole idea of preparation. When we went to San Diego, we stayed in a hotel there for, for a day overnight. And when we got there, we got there about half hour before check-in time. And, and I thought, okay, we don't need to call ahead. You know, we should be able to get in there, no problem, right? So we got in there about half an hour ahead, and I go to the front desk, and the person says, oh, you can't come in uh, this early. Uh, we're not ready for you. Uh, you if you want to check in, it will cost you 40 bucks <laughs> for 30 minutes, okay? <laughs> and, and it was like I was stunned that that even came up. And so then I said, well, we'll wait, okay? Uh, the, and the whole reason we wanted to check in is because the check-in is usually around 3 o'clock. The service was starting at 4. So that's why I want, wanted to get in. And so my, sister, my daughter and I, we just went into the lobby, just waited. And then the lady came back out about 10 minutes later. And she says, you know what? We can check you in. You know, no charge. Gee, thanks. Um, and then... It was on the sixth floor. We went up to the sixth floor, and we opened the door, and this is what we found. <laughs> we were in shock, <laughs> you know, as most of you would be too. I mean, we went in there, and literally this, I, I didn't take a picture. This is something that was on the, the internet. It's like, wow, that really looked like that room. And, and so I called down. I said, you know, this room's not ready you know, uh, what's going on? And, and she was like, they told me that it was ready. And so she said, okay, just wait there and we'll get somebody up there and we'll move you to a different room. And so they did that and that room was okay. So, but you know, when Jesus says he's preparing a place for us, he's gonna be expecting us and everything will be ready. And that's what, you know, Jesus, you know, you think, well, why would Jesus, do, isn't he God? And you just snap a finger and be done. You know, he didn't have to. I don't know the logistics of heaven. But he went there to prepare a place for us. But more importantly, he says, I will come back and take you up myself. Now, if I were to tell you, now, that, you know, did James, I mean, excuse me, Thomas, he goes, he hears this, and in verse 5 it says, Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know that the way? And, and I, I was thinking about that, and when Thomas asked that question, I think it was fair, because Jesus then said he was leaving, and that he was going to come back, and he was going to take him there. And so in Thomas's mind, and of course he's known as Doubting Thomas, right? He's going, where's, where's there? Where is heaven? And I don't know about you, I don't know the address to heaven. And, you know, how are we going to get there? Let me point this out a little bit more. I'm going to show you a house, and I want you to know, uh, tell me, where is it? Does anybody recognize this house? It might be a different color paint, but it's the same house. Anybody recognize it? 
So if I told you I want you to go there, you're going to ask me what? What's the address? How am I going to find it? And, and so what if I changed it to this picture? Does this look a little more familiar? See, some of you are nodding. That's from a movie called The Birds. Okay? The only reason this came up <laughs> is my wife is over there right now. <laughs> and she actually visited this place, and she, was, she hates horror movies, so she says uh, she'll never see that movie. You know? and so, but, but, you know, if you change the way you look at it, all of a sudden you know exactly where it is. It's in Bodega Bay. Okay? And it's just like, well, if I told you, why don't you come over to my house, figure it out. You would say, oh, well, I think you live in Sacramento. So well, how's that help? So, you know, Thomas is thinking, Jesus just says, you're, you're going to know where I'm going. And he's saying, where's that? I have no clue. And Jesus gives him this answer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see how this passage is so familiar, but there's a context to it. Jesus is showing us how we're going to end up in that place that he's preparing for us. Now, I thought I'd have a little fun with this passage and try to modernize this passage in some form. I am the GPS, the encyclopedia, and the pacemaker, right? I mean, that's kind of what it means today. But I want you to know, when I, I was thinking about these things, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it's different than if I were to change it to, to this terminology. And why is that? These are all stagnant. You, they need other people to tell you what to do or to where to go. It requires help because in the GPS, you still need an address, okay? It can tell you where you are, but if you know you're standing there, you kind of know where you are, I hope, right? And in the encyclopedia, someone had to write it in order for us to um, claim it to be the truth. And the pacemaker, well, that's if, you know, that gives you life for a while. My dad had a pacemaker. It didn't keep him alive forever. Um, but he had it, and it sustained him for a little while longer. But that's temporary, too. And that's man-made because it's, it's, it's temporary because it's man-made. And so saying that Jesus saying that I am the way, the truth, and the life it's a lot different than all these other things that we try to use as our source. Let me break this down a little bit more. Where's the way? Now, when I was growing up, I, some of you remember foldable maps, <laughs> right? Eventually, the, the creases would be a hole, and then you'd have to get a new one, right? And so, you know, this is how I learned how to get around. My dad used to use me as the navigator, and I'd be, you know, beforehand we would draw on the map and, you know, this is the path we're going to take, right? 
And then we kind of got promoted up and we used the Thomas Brothers Guide because it not only had, you know, it had more coverage, plus it was a little easier to see because it was zoomed in more. Then the technology got a little bit better. Then we had GPS that you could have in your car until someone steals it out of your car, which happened to us. <laughs> okay, so, you know, you get that. But one of the things that I realized real fast as I was uh, depending on these maps and so on, you know, before when I used the maps, I knew my directions. I knew where was north, south, west, east. I, I knew where I was, generally speaking. And, but then now that I've gotten to the point where I graduated to the Google Maps on our phone, sometimes I don't know because I've lost that sense because I'm now, now dependent on Google to tell me where to go. Because, you know, let's face it, the map doesn't work if you don't have it laid out in the right direction, right? Because the map doesn't always face the way you're driving. And, and so you have to like turn it around to make it work. And when Jesus says, I am the way, he said that it was a little differently. He was saying he was the way, oops. He was the way. And what I liked about this, you know, I was looking up the clip art about Jesus saying he's the way. You notice what he's doing there? He's ha he, has, he has his hand in a child's hand and leading him the way. He didn't say, Jesus didn't say to us, okay, I'll point you in the right direction, and that's where you're going to go. He didn't say, here's the address of heaven, and that's how you're going to get there. He says, I am the way. Stay with me. I came back to take you to the place of heaven. See, that's a whole lot of difference between someone telling us how to get somewhere or getting somewhere, but it, it's someone who says, look, I'm going to take you all along, and you're not going to be by yourself. I am the way. And you notice that it's not a, a stagnant thing, is it? Like a GPS or a map. It doesn't just sit there. Jesus is actually taking us along. And only Jesus, God, can be with each one of us to show us the way. There's no one that, I, it's like, I can, I can help you, I can help you today, but I can't help her. Right? I'm just, I can't be in two places at one time, right? But Jesus can. God can. So I am the way. Then it says, Jesus says, I am the truth. We live in a world that we depend on a lot of different things to tell us what the truth is. We think of science, we think of justice or the, uh, the law. Uh, we think of knowledge as the way to know the truth. And even today, when, you know, to me, it's partially truth and partially a joke. Is this phrase that we use nowadays called fact checkers. And the reason I, I say, well, sometimes they're actually facts that they're checking. But then there's other times when they check the facts and then later on they have to retract the fact that they checked it and said it was false or true. 
and they have to go back. Why is that? Well, because the fact checkers have their own point of view. And so they'll look at it and say, well, from our point of view, that's a, a true fact or that's a false fact, fake news, right? And whereas when we talk about Jesus, the word of God, it doesn't change for us. I mean, let's face it. Has there been any revisions of this book? <laughs> this is the same one. Yes, there's been um, copies made of this Bible in different languages as it evolved in history, but the same text is still here. It hasn't changed. And so that we can count on because when you think about all the other places that we think will give us the facts, what's happened? It changes. It evolves. It it's because man had certain limits to understand what it meant. But now, uh, now that we have better technology, oh, we can figure out better and we can tell more truth. I mean, the pandemic is a great example of that, isn't it? We've gone, you know, it's been a year and a half. And, and I've been working out of my home for a year and a half. I have an office there now. It's next to my old office. And I've been working there for a year and a half, went back to my office maybe three times in the last year and a half. Everything else, I've been doing Zoom meetings, just working, working from home. I have a, a, a state computer that I work out of. And, you know, um, you know, it's like, okay, everything's there. And, and so, like, we're still sheltered in. And it's been a year and a half. And imagine how many times we've changed directions on how to deal with this disease. You know, we've changed so many times. Why? Because we didn't know anything in the first place. And it kept changing as we've tried to figure things out. And why is that? It's because it's human beings who are trying to figure it out. Whereas with God, there is no figuring it out. We know he's the truth. Now, I'm sorry, it does not give us the cure for COVID in here, okay? Not the science of that. It doesn't give us that. But I was told, you know, and grew up thinking, 90% of all we need to know in life is in this book. 10%, well, COVID is in there. But to how to deal with a disease or deal with the pain, the suffering from it, that's here. So what we need to know is what's in the word of God, the truth. That's where we start. And when we can start there, then we go in the right direction. John 8, 31, 32 says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set me free. And I think this is a good barometer that if we hear facts or we hear the truth, it ought to free us to live as Christians, to follow Jesus, to follow his way.
And if we don't, then there's something wrong with the facts or the truth that we're hearing. And so we have to keep that in mind. And that's how we, you know, it's like we know that this hasn't changed. Our opinions of what it says, that changes through time. I, I know that. But if we are willing to go back here and look at it and be honest with it, the truth speaks out to us. And it will set us free, not burden us. Then Jesus said, he's the life. Now, like I said, a pacemaker will only sustain you a little bit longer if you need it. Um, then, you know, we, we hear a lot about eating healthy, exercising. It's been a challenge to do that now, recently, right? And, but, you know, am I, I'm not saying don't do these things, okay? But realize that no matter how much you do these things, you only live a certain amount of time anyway. So these things might, are good for you, and it will sustain you, but at the same time, it's not really life. Not Jesus is the life. Because what does Jesus promise us? A th the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you, they may have life and have it abundantly. John 10.10. 10. You know, Jesus is saying, look, I'm, you know, all this healthy living, all good things, but they're temporary. The life I'm talking about is eternal. And when we look at Jesus as the way, the truth, the life, all those things are pointing to that, that we will be here for a temporary amount of time and then we go into eternity. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? This goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning. What, how we live our lives should be influenced on where we're going to end up. What's our final destination? And our final destination isn't here. Because, you know, with all the, you know, things that people are trying to do, what are they trying to do? They're trying to change here. And we, it's not to say that we shouldn't try to change some things that maybe that are wrong. At the same time, it's a, but our final destination isn't here. And so when we talk about living, leaving this earth, when we leave this earth, we're not talking about leaving our home where we're living at now or this earth. It's not a homecoming. And, and so what I'm trying to say here is our final home isn't in the places that we live in right now. That's not our final home. And at the same time, when we talk about the mansions that Jesus is talking about the rooms that he's preparing for us. It's not a homecoming because we've never been there. Okay? None of us have been in heaven. Right? Okay. <laughs> None of us have been there. So what I think we ought to be doing is saying we're going home. 
And if you've been to enough services, you'll, you'll see some people saying, yeah, we're having a homegoing service. Because our final destination isn't here, it's with Jesus and the rooms that he's preparing for us. And, and so my challenge to you to, is to think, now how does that change the way I think today? What I hope it does is help you think about, okay, it's okay to um, have a passion about certain issues, but just realize these are all temporary because the permanent home is with him and it's not here. And that would change, I think it would change a lot of what goes on today if people would see that. A lot of times people are disagreeing and they're having struggles with people who disagree with them partly because they think they know the truth. They think they know the way. They think they know how we ought to live. But if we realize and trust what this is saying, it's saying you just got to focus on Jesus and he will reveal those things to you. And so for yourself, it's about you're going home to be in heaven. While we're here, we ought to live as if this ain't our final destination. We should be living here and saying, you know, there's people in my life who I would love to see go with me to that same place. And how can I live my life to show them that there's a better place than, than, being, than being satisfied with being here? or changing what's going on here so that I can live here. Our final destination is our hope, it's our future, it's what's ahead of us, and it's the, the issues that we face every day that troubles us are all gonna be temporary and won't matter. And I hope that helps you understand a little bit just a little glimpse of realizing that our final destination, it will be our home going, going home to be with Jesus. Because not only we're going there, he's taking us there as well. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for speaking to us. And I pray, Lord, that uh, what I've said uh, really is what you would want to say to each one of us that we would not sit here and just be satisfied or maybe discontented with what we have here, but realize that we have so much more to look forward to in our final destination with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to seeing what we have to look forward to in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.